0: Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It is a Give Me All You Got Friday, Pro Nola segment. Joining me now, I'll be out next week, so our last time to chat for a little while, is our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Kattengill. Gus, good morning, my friend. What is up? Hey, man, how are you today? I'm good. Welcome to July, brother. So let's get right to it. I am going to cherry pick off of a topic you had on your show earlier this week. And I kind of want to get a feel for what your audience was talking about. Between the Saints and the Pelicans, what franchise do you feel like is closer to a championship right now than the other? So,
1: I would say out of those two, I'm probably going to say Saints as opposed to the Pels for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, the Saints have actually players that have playoff experience. And I know the Pels do this year great, but they did it in terms of, you know, this season alone. And And one of the most important players, Zion, has none. So,. When you look at it like that, and I just look at how the NBA operates and the way they work, and it's a little different than the NFL from this standpoint. I think with the NFL, um, you have seen the Bengals, right? Two seasons with Joe Burrow removed, they play in the Super Bowl. The NFL's system allows you, if you do a good job, if you draft, if you scout, if you sign players, to be able to quickly get somebody that can help you turn around something in the first or second round, and you can be competitive, and if things go your way, you can compete. I think in the NBA, it's a little harder in that your top-tier players, now we've seen the last couple years, Scott, they get to choose. We just looked at this week, right? So much speculation about where KD Kyrie's gonna go, this guy, that guy, and John Wall gets forty one million from Houston just to leave and joins the Clippers. Well now it's Wall and George and Glyde. That's a difference, right? If if Kyrie Irving would have joined the Lakers as much as I can't stand them, um, it would have made a difference with AD, LeBron, and Kyrie. So it's a little different in the NBA. But I, I think I would I would counter it with this, right? The window may be longer. And that's something I talked about today Uh, Thursday on the show, about uh, the the window that you're going to have that, that could be a championship window. I think it's shorter in the NFL. It's longer in the NBA that you can maybe compete for a championship. But I think the Saints are from this basis. It's what I've told you for a couple of months, right? I think this team can win the division. And if they win the division, that's 10 to 12 games you would think you need to win ten to twelve wins with the schedule they have, with teams that are in the playoffs or in the playoffs, are expected to be in the playoffs, stock full in that schedule, then there's no way you can tell me they're not going to be a contender. So I think they're closer from this standpoint. I think the reason people are hesitant is because of their quarterback. If that was Dak Prescott, if Deshaun, and I'm not talking about the morality, the legality the suspension, if Deshaun Watson was the quarterback on this team, would you think they're a contending team? I bet you many people would probably say yes. So, and, and they would be right. You have one of the best receiving cores potentially, and, and that's what you do as an analyst, right? That's what the, the NFL analysts do. That's what the talk shows do nationally. They project. They're using projections. What is projected? Because health is obviously health, right? I mean, everybody's going to be different. Josh Allen in the Bills would be different if Josh Allen gets hurt. So if healthy, how will these teams be? Well, potentially you do you, you have a guy in Michael Thomas that can be something. And you have a guy in Chris Olave that is probably better than what you had last year from any of your receivers. And you have a five-time Pro Bowl receiver in Jarvis Landry. So that receiving core should be better. You have a pretty good running back named Alvin Kamara. If your quarterback plays at a Pro Bowl level, why shouldn't you be a contending team? You should likely have a top 15, maybe top 10 defense. You might have gotten better at certain positions in safety and playmaking. I don't know. So I think they're closer simply because when you look up and down the roster, Scott, you have players that have been there and that have um, – played in playoff games have won multiple games at a high at a high level but i think both franchises are in a really good spot
0: you know i espn lafayette i i understand the saints pick from the standpoint of as you brought up the roster and stuff like that but the fact that in the nfl one game you know what i'm saying like one game you get into the postseason you get hot, you get a rhythm, you get healthy. I mean, the, the the chance for a heavier underdog to win a championship is greater than in the NBA. Like to be an underdog and win it all. Eh, if you win it all and you weren't the favorite, you were probably at least the top two or three seat most of the time. I mean, it's 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 rare. Um, but let me make a case for the Pelicans just to play devil's advocate here. Number one. Let's just look at the board. I'm going on DraftKings right now. Saints to win the Super Bowl plus five thousand. Pelicans to win the NBA championship plus four thousand. So Zion, wow. Zion, by himself. Did you find himself, that surprising? Um, I mean, I find it surprising that the Saints are at plus five thousand. You know what I'm saying? Like I, right, uh, I, plus four thousand for do you the think Pelicans plus 4000 for the pelicans seems seems normal. I mean, you you get to in the NBA you usually have like four or five teams where the odds are like not that that great. And you know, and by not that great I mean like the odds on favorites and then it kind of starts stretching out a little bit. So like I'm not surprised that the pelicans are plus 4. I would think the saints would be more like 1 in 25 or 1 in 20 or 1 in 18. Plus 5,000. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't put down a couple of apples on plus 5,000. I'm just saying. I get they're not the favorite, but, but yeah, the the more surprising thing. But, see, look, I see what you did there. You're trying some of that ninja stuff, guys. I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. (laughs) All right. Um, Look, a healthy Zion. Let's say it happens. Is there a single bigger addition to a team next season? Any team? Because he missed all of last year. Like, I get it. Look, Chris Middleton back on the box. They could be a favorite in the East again. But it's not like he missed all of last season. I mean, you are adding a new piece to a new culture in New Orleans under Willie Green. Like, I don't know that next year there will be a bigger addition considering other superstars who played last year. I mean, talking about guys missing an entire season talking about free agents potentially moving. And there will be some that do and some trades that'll be, you know, have some ripple effects and there'll be some draft picks that make a difference. But the reality is if Zion is healthy, I don't think there is a bigger addition to any team next season when you compare them to just the season before. And let's look at the Pelicans last season. I mean, they, you know, okay. Oh, 10 games under 500 in the regular season. Okay. Four and four in the postseason If you count the play in games, you know, took the Phoenix Suns, who won sixty-four games to the, you know, to their to their max, right? Like they had to they had to go all out. They grew a ton. The culture changed. They started out awful. I mean, we've talked a lot about the rebound of the Pelicans from the beginning of the season to the end, but more so just from the previous offseason to this one. I mean, you're 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 one year later, and if someone had told you a year ago, Gus, oh, next year, Zion's gonna miss the whole season. He'll be uh away from the franchise for a little while. He's going to struggle with some weight issues. He's going to try some things to come back and play, but the rehab, they're going to be set back. You would be like, oh, my God, it's going to be a complete disaster. And yet it was anything but. So that, you know, to your point, it's a lot harder to do it in the NBA. I mean, you got to win series. Having experience in the postseason makes a big, big difference. I mean, I, I think the core three in Golden State, that experience they had yeah. was arguably the biggest difference maker in that in that series, in the finals. But you got to cons- win
1: 12 games just to get to the finals.
0: But consider you're adding the biggest addition, and he's healthy right now, I think of mm-hmm. any other team that, that you would consider a good team, a playoff team. I think they're going to have the biggest addition to their core. Um, CJ's going to be there longer, and they're – they're plus four thousand on the board. The Saints are plus five thousand. So that's that's my devil's advocate to it. But to your point, the fact that it ain't plus a hundred thousand for either of them, and that you know one in forty, one in fifty. I, again, I I would I thought the Saints should be more. I mean, the Saints this time a year ago, Gus had better odds than they do right now. And I'm like, why? I I I I I'm with you. Yeah. I I think. Is it, let me ask you this, ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports, Scott Brather, Gus Cangiel, is it a Sean Payton thing? Like, does he have that much respect around the league and, 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 and yeah. among the professional betting community that a line, considering la- the offseason last year and this year and, and everything in between and the fact that they went 9-8 and eight last year with all of the problems they had, is Sean Payton making that much of a difference in that line?
1: Let's just look at the facts. I think the roster is better. They, it I is. agree the roster is better. Okay. I do think that people look at the influence of Sean Payton. When I speak to people nationally and they come on our show, they say that's what they say. Well, you know, the Payton influence. And I get that. You, but you have a guy in Pete Carmichael that essentially has helped run that offense. I know he's not Sean. And Sean does have a football acumen that, I mean, there's a reason he's a good coach. I would also argue that he also has some things that I do think is stubbornness and, and things, you know, that, that kind of go back against him. I mean, I, I will say this to I'm to Blue in the face. His over-evaluation of the receiver position group last year killed him. I mean, it just did. And, you know, when you look at the new coach, the first two things he did essentially was bring in Doug Marone to help the offensive line. And the thing that really stood out, was he brought in the Alabama strength and conditioning coach because they've had an issue, you know, for a couple of seasons. Staying healthy, the offensive line. I mean, I. It, it surprised Rancher no one when had, they made changes. Yeah. For yeah. a couple of
0: seasons. You it, know? It, it surprised no one when their changes were made to the training right. staff and the medical yeah, staff. I mean, that I, was I'm expected. not even
1: going to bring up the receiver coach because I love Curtis. I think Curtis does a good job. It's the players. You got to have good players. And. I mean, I love Chris. I mean, I love Callaway. I love him. But Marquez Callaway, you know, is a nice story, and he's an undrafted player, and he made and he's earned his way to play in the NFL. But Jarvis Landry is a five-time Pro Bowl receiver. Michael Thomas is a record-setting receiver, and Chris Olave looks like an NFL prototypical receiver those are three big differences in the receivers group you had last year. You have a really good running back. And I understand he may get suspended. He may not. I don't know. I get it. I understand the tight end position. I get it. But if you're smart enough and you kind of see how the 49ers, and I've said this before to you, use Dabo, Dabo, uh, Debo Samuel to where, you know, if I can get Taysom Hill in space, one-on-one, hand it off to him, end the round, a quick pass, and he's one-on-one with a linebacker or a DB. Can I not get five yards when I need four? Can I not, you know what I'm saying? I don't need him to be Travis Kelsey. I need him to catch the ball or hold on to the ball and run over somebody. He's not playing quarterback. When you look at the defense, if Peyton Turner plays most of the season, he's a first-round draft pick kind of like Zion, like you're saying, you're you're adding a first-round defensive end. If Marcus Davenport can be healthy, that helps. We will see how the safety position is, but Marcus may, as I've said to people, when you look at statistically and you use stats, is in the neighborhood of what you lost in Marcus Williams. He's either one or two behind or above Marcus in certain stats. People love the signing of a guy like Tyron Matthew. He's football savvy. He brings leadership. So I'm not going to sit there and say that you took a massive step back. And, you know, I mean, let's see what happens from that standpoint. But when you look at the talent on the roster, I, I don't understand other than people are saying, well, you don't have Sean Payton. And, look, the guy knows how to push buttons. He knows how to motivate. He knows how to coach. No one's saying he doesn't. But at the same time, the individual that helped build the Saints to basically change its identity to defensive first is now your head coach. And when you listen, if you open your ears and you listen to the players the last several weeks, there's nothing but praise for Dennis on on how he treats them and how he gets them and and understands them he's not trying to reinvent the wheel. He understands what worked, and he says, hey, why tinker with it? But he's going to add his, you know, tidbits to it. Bringing in a guy like Doug Marone, I think, is bigger than the national media understands. That guy was an offensive coordinator here. He was a head coach in the NFL. He is going to be a fantastic voice for Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen. It's going to be really good for guys like Cesar Ruiz and McCoy, who are still young offensive linemen, even Ryan Ramcheck Andre Pete, tricks of the trade, a guy like you know Penning. You've got a guy, he knows how to coach the offensive line. I mean, that's, that's what he is. So if you can just be good enough and stay healthy and do those different aspects of it, you're going to compete. I know the schedule is tough, but man, you can say that about everybody. You know, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, then the Ravens are good. If Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase stay healthy, then they're good. If they're not, they're different teams. So you can use health with everybody. And I think when you look at the team, it's crazy. I think it's the Sean Payton thing. And I and, and Scott, it's the thing that I keep saying. I For some reason, people believe Jameis Winston is worse than, like, Chase Daniels. And I don't understand it. Like, I I, I mean, we're sitting at OTA, and I must have said at least two or three times, whether it was the Tillier or whether it was the graph or whether it's, you know Hendricks or Triplet or whoever's standing next to me. You almost forget because again, because of COVID, we didn't have as much access as we do now. Again, and then you're in the locker room and you're on the field and you're seeing the practices. And dude, that guy is large. I mean, he's he's a big quarterback. His arm strength, his his leadership, and I, I think that matters. You know, and, and you got a guy that's hungry. And I'll say this I used it on the show this week. When you look at how Baker Mayfield and the Browns are handling everything, you know, and he had his camp this week. He's like, I'm ready to move on. And you got national people saying he needs to just suck it up and play for the Browns and all that. It, I don't think you can overstate this organization went all in on the Sean Watson.
0: Uh-huh, and they should be called out for it. And they have been. They
1: went all in. I mean, God. Where would we be right now in this conversation? Disaster. This, it would be the most miserable
0: offseason in history. Right.
1: Well, think about it.
0: Oh right? God. Said, no, well, I don't even like We're not going to play for it. at least a year. Or I mean, everything. Not. I mean, not just that. Not just the football side I mean, everything. It would just be everything. Ugh. Everything. I mean, I, I would hate to say this, man. We wouldn't even look forward to talking to each other. <laughs> it would be like, oh, we have got to talk about that.
1: God. I mean, again, and I'm not saying. Actually, I am. I think it does matter. And at some point, you do have to look at the individual. And Jameis Winston today is a different Jameis Winston than four years ago. And I know it's cute to talk about the crab legs. And I know it's cute to talk about, oh, you know, he... he Eating the
0: W. Eating the W. I I mean, we all made fun of him. Let's not act... Let's not act like he's not funny. I mean, he is a funny guy. (laughs) 100%.
1: 100%. And I get it. At the same time, of all positions in football, you know this, the quarterback's most important spot.
0: Yeah.
1: Of all positions. And when you come back from a season-ending double ligament knee surgery like he did, no one would have remotely said anything negative if he didn't participate in OTAs. Right? I mean, Michael Thomas isn't. And that guy was out there. And that guy was throwing dimes. That guy is out there, you know, lifting. I mean, I mean, what was it? Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever it was. He dropped another Instagram video. He's out there rolling, showing that he can roll out the pocket, stop and plant, and do little things. I think that matters. I think if I'm in the locker room, if you've ever played sports, whether it's playground, high school, collegiate, you understand what you know. Showing how you lead is just as important as you know being the guy that's very vocal. Some yeah. people aren't vocal. They show by how they do it. He's doing both. But it is interesting, and that's why I said it at the beginning of our conversation. If it was Deshaun, if it was Dak, if it was Herbert, if it was Burrow, if it was any of these quarterbacks here right now, it, 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 it's vogue to talk about. I promise you, on the NFL Today, on Get Up, on all these ESPN morning shows, you would hear all of these people talking about the Saints being a contender. I think there's doubt because Sean Payne's not the head coach. And I think there's doubt because they still can't let go and forget a very bad season. They don't want to look into facts. And I've talked to so many Tampa people. I mean, you you can't overestimate or overstate, rather, the amount of offensive coordinators and head coaches the kid had to go through. And, and, And finding yourself, Scott, you're different than I am. And, and, and I am than we were five years ago, ten years ago, pre-kids, pre-wife. We're different. We think different. We have done things different. And to hear Jameis, when he first signed on with the Saints, getting married, he speaks about, you know, his faith a lot more. You see him in part of the videos. He's reading the Bible to realize. I mean, like, that's a different mindset than the stuff that came out about him and what he was doing earlier, Period. I mean, it is. You grow as an individual. You're mature. Things matter more. You, I, I think, as he stated, too, when, when you're away from it and it's taken from you, it, it snaps you into shape, right? I mean, same thing with me. I, I'm a much better husband, take two, than I was take one. I mean, I am because I learned. I learned, hey, maybe I don't do this. Maybe, maybe this matters more to me. And, you know, I've talked to you off air and I've talked to my wife and she knows this, too, you know, I – I don't do nearly as much day-to-day things that take me away from my family because it matters more. Because I realize you do all that stuff. At the end of the day, if they like you, great. If they don't, it don't matter. But what matters is your family. So, absolutely, my mindset is different than it was five to ten years ago. So, I guess all of that. What I'm saying is, those are the qualities we used to revere in Drew Brees. It was always family first. It was team first. It was city first it was you know work ethic it was no days off everything was meticulous and you know just seeing that that he's doing it i maybe get a different perspective than maybe people that just see a tweet or speculate as to whether or not this guy can play or not bottom line is this you add a five-time pro bowler you add a guy that by this year Maybe a year later, Michael Thomas is going to be even better than he is this year because he hadn't played in a while. You add you have Camara, You add Alave. Even if he goes into second year, I don't see why, which is the topic that I had earlier this week. Why can't you say the Saints aren't opening? And, and, and I said 95 days was the day that I kept saying. 95 days of October 1st from now. So 95 days from Tuesdays when I said it. Um 95 days is October 1st. That's normally that month you get that first cool front, Scott. You open the window and you wait for that breeze to come into the house. That's kind of how I feel. My championship window includes the rise of a team, right? I mean, to me, the championship window wasn't just 09. It was you saw 6, 7, 8, this team build to it. That's why I almost I will also say the same thing when it comes to the Pels. I'm not saying they're winning this year, but to your point, let's say Zion has a full season. It's playoff experience, taste in the NBA, that bitter defeat in the first or second round. Look at Memphis, playing team, Ja Hungrier in year two. I think it was the first week in the NBA last season he said, I, I'm out for souls. I, I want your souls. They they want to be in the number two seed. They made a ton of moves on draft night. They, they're they're in a window. They're trying to win a championship, and they're trying to maximize that 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 stay that they can do it. And when I look at the Saints, I understand there's a question about the coach. I understand there's a question about the quarterback. But when you're looking at 22 guys essentially that start, and then you look at the depth of the team, and you look at Something else nice, no was talking about, Scott. Special teams. You don't think the Saints would have won two or three games with Will Utz?
0: At least and one more. At least one of, more. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: you essentially have your special teams back, which are pretty good. punter's pretty good. And, and, and you moved on from the leg. I mean, you moved on from the leg, and he's pretty good. And, and if Will Utz can just be what he was, you're pretty good there. And you have depth at defense, and I think you can improve on offense. You have better talent at receiver. Jameis doesn't have to do as much. Jameis literally just has to find the jersey color you're wearing that day and just throw it in the neighborhood. And what I say the neighborhood is this. There is a difference between you and me, Scott, going out there playing flag football and the quarterback has to deliver the ball to us, and as I mentioned, a five-time pro ball receiver. I'm watching an OTA practice, and in the camp, I'm going to go to the camp. the two days that the fans got to see The plays of the day that everybody that was there that covered those practices said was Chris Alave and Jarvis Landry. Alave, catch in between traffic in between two players was one day, I think it was Wednesday, and on Tuesday was the one-hand grab from Landry. When you have that kind of talent, you just got to get in the neighborhood. They'll make the grab they'll make the play, they can read the football, it's easier, you're more relaxed throwing to the location because you can trust them, you understand that they know the game, you just get it. Drew Brees, when Michael Thomas first got here, said this guy practices every practice, probably got in a fight with C.D. Deuce, like it's the Super Bowl, it matters to him. And you've seen how active he was. He wished a lot of a happy birthday on Monday saying, we don't lose, I can't wait to see you run in the tunnel in the dome. you got a guy that's motivated you got to got it happy with the room. You heard Jarvis Landry in minicamp say, I've known Michael Thomas since high school. So you got a guy, Michael Thomas, that all of us perceive is a head case. Well, you put two people in the room with him that he likes, that he connects with, that he's motivated to help, that he wants to be a part of, and neither, none of those three have to be the guy. They just have to do their thing. And if they do their part, because you can't double them all. You can't, if you take away from it, the other guy can hurt you. Oh, by the way, there's Alvin Kamara. And I get him at the city game. ain't sitting 17, though. So, you know, it, 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 that's the difference between the NFL and the NBA, Scott, which is why I went Saints to the Pels, and I get your point, and I'm with you. It's just in the NBA, i got to win four games a series. Four games, first round, second round conference finals, and four in the finals. That's that's a handful of games, dude. That's 16 games in the NFL. If I get that bye, which it's going to be hard, but let's say you don't, I got to win that divisional or the wild card, the divisional, and the conference championship in Super Bowl four. Four compared to 14 or 15, whatever it is, it's it's a big difference, man. So I, I think at the end of the day, that's why I, I go Saints closer, just because if they can just get in, then, you know, you got to beat that defense, that offense that's capable of maybe slipping behind that secondary and catching a long touchdown. What if Kamara has a six-touchdown game against you? I mean, I just those are all the things why I feel that way, which is just nuts for me that there's so many people that just don't buy the Saints as a contender because if you even want to say that it's Jameis is the issue – at the very least, you've got to be able to tell me this, that they're a quarterback away. Because you look at the talent, you look at the roster, Scott, I haven't done this yet, but it's my homework for the week. How many playoff games, much less playoff wins combined, do you have on this roster compared to many teams in the NFC? I mean, remember, Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lannimore, as rookies, were in the playoffs. So they don't know anything but that. Last year was the first year they never were in the postseason. So you have a lot of young players that have experience that have been in the postseason. I mean so to me, that's that's a veteran yet young team. I heard some clown on the national, you know, show on ESPN call the team the Saints an old team. I'm like, I, I don't Ken Jordan is closer to what the end of his career than the beginning, but you know, maybe Demario Davis, but I would not consider the Saints an old team so I, I I don't know man I just I, I just again just looking at the roster production the path and the guy that I think most people doubt won a national championship was the first pick overall and in the season that everybody loves to down on him threw also 30 touchdown passes I know he threw the 30 picks he also threw to 30 touchdowns. That offense was predicated just chunking it and praying. They had a bad coach. They had a poor offensive coordinator. Their philosophy was terrible, and I don't think their roster was very good. I mean, you remember? I mean, the Bucks were the team that would shove Lattimore in the back. They caught fights. Their their sidelines were a joke. I mean, that was the team that he quarterbacked. you think that's the Saints? So, look, man, I, I just – it's hard for me to not think they're – they're going to be
0: competitive and be contenders gus Cattengill has been our guest i had uh, a few more for you man but we're going to let you run i know you got no, that's a that's what else you got well, Get away Let's go. I, got? I mean come on so the last thing i was going to ask you mm-hmm. was to name who you think the most underrated player in each franchise is all time Ooh. um think on it we're going to take a quick time back we're going to take a quick time out we'll be right back We'll let you answer that, and then we'll let you go. We won't keep you long. It's the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got Friday, ESPN Lafayette. All right. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Uh, Give me all you got Friday. Gus Cotton, get with us one more real quick segment, Gus. Uh, I got Jamarcus Fitzpatrick of KTC TV3 here coming in with me. It'll be his first time on the show, and we're going to talk some UL, some Saints, some LSU, and then we're going to have a draft of um, uh, an on-five draft where we just draft things that are underrated. It can be a player. It can be a food, music, anything. But to kind of segue into that, I just wanted to ask you, you don't have to talk long on it if you don't want what do you think most underrated player? And you don't have to go back to 1967 for the Saints. We can only go back 20 years for the New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans. But, like, who comes to your mind? Pick one of each, and then I'll give you mine.
1: So you're asking me most
0: underrated player of all time? In in the franchise history, yeah. Underrated, underappreciated. Oh, you know, I, I look, I'll go first. I think for the, for the Hornets slash Pelicans, I think it's P.J. Brown. No one's gonna really think Ooh. of that because they were Ooh. so bad when he was there. But you remember, I mean, we we were covering the team. You go into the locker room, and you know, the amount of guys on that team that did that weren't taking it serious, and he just always put on his bootstraps, always talked to the media, always showed up at practice, always gave it his all. I mean, as rough as that 0-4-0-5 team was. Dude, without PJ Brown, they might have won like five games. I mean, they might have set the record for like worst record in NBA history. He was that important. You know, he's one of those respectable guys. It's like let's let's get him to a contender late in his career so he can maybe win something, and they sent him to Boston, and he did. But they had that much respect for him. He he was kind of an easy pick for me because I look, I think. You don't have his, you don't have the rich history or a long history. I think David West, at least among the the Hornets slash Pelicans fans, is appreciated. I think Tyson Chandler is. I think you know. I think a lot of the good players were. I think P.J. Brown's probably, from a franchise standpoint, the most underappreciated guy. Who you got?
1: Ah, that's a good one. So, I remember obviously you know that that first game. I covered him from the first time they got here from Charlotte. And I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a, a, a story. So he goes to Boston. He wins. And we had the Hooters Invitational Golf Charity event, and we were a part of it. So we're doing the show live in the clubhouse. He's there. asking him to sit down. He does. First thing he do is he remembers me. He's like, you know, I'm like, let me see it. And I See the ring. There it is. There's the ring. He goes here you go. I, that that's P.J. Brown, like that's P.J. And and for like a year and a half after that dude, um, he come on the show. He still lived in you know the North Shore. He he was a guy. I, I'm with you. I I think people. Because even before he joined the Hornets, and he was a Pelican or a Hornet rather, Charlotte
0: all that. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean he was an Orleans. He Hornet. was one of the better players. He was he, he had that that toughness and that physicality. And it's funny you say that because there's like five plays that I will you know maybe on a night when I'm having a few with some buddies that I bring up that that stand out to me um, from from doing what I do and. You know, I've told you this before, Pierre Thomas. Which oh, you know pick. where I'm going. I yet. mean, he's
0: my pick for the Saints. Uh, that, I mean, put him in the ring thing, of honor. You know, and yeah. I'm
1: going to get to that in a second. But I remember one of the first games I got to cover this team was I, I just we were behind the goalpost at the time. It's before they sold those seats, so you remember, Scott, that three rows of just tables, and that's where local media got to sit behind the goals. And with your press pass. I mean, you're more than welcome to sit on the court, Indian style, and go ahead and shoot and do whatever. That's like photographers, the photographers, well, right? Those little, the little squares you see. And I remember shooting for NOLA.com, and it was the old Mavica, dude, where you needed like a three and a quarter floppy disk, right, for your cameras. I got 12 pictures <laughs> per, per floppy disk, dude. That was it. And I remember I'm shooting, and the Lakers are playing, and they're shocking. Shaq and P.J., right block, he grabs it, he dribbles, you can feel the floor, and then he just spins, Shaq does, on P.J. I mean, the floor concaves, it's just, then he dunks it, the classic Shaquille O'Neal dunk with the knees by the ram, all of that. And I'm like, wow. I mean, you just don't realize the size. But, and that's the thing, like, with P.J., that, that was him. He always took on... The, the physical, you know, role and, and all of that. I, I, I loved him I, as a player, as a citizen, as a guy that was from the state, his daughter. Give him oh, him shine, name it. I mean, just
0: Give him a shine.
1: I'm with you. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. He was awesome. As far as the Saints, I kind of hinted to it. I think Pierre Thomas. And when I, I say underappreciated, I don't think it's from the fan base because I would argue that the fan base got him on the team. I, it was my first. It was my first game as the Saints sideline reporter. I literally found out, like at two o'clock that afternoon, that I had gotten the job to be on the Saints broadcast. And that night was a, what was a Thursday. Was the final preseason game. And the storyline going in the game against the Dolphins was this running back, and. Would Sean Payton choose him over Antonio Pittman,
0: a draft pick? And Pierre left no doubt with that no performance.
1: Doubt. <laughs> no doubt. And so I will never forget that. So I'm kind of tied to P.T. I mean, he was... Uh, a,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I'm friends with the guy. I mean, he in the was... Locker room. If yeah. I needed
1: anything to do about the running game, that was him. But Scott, to me, that game in Chicago, it was one of those prime time... It was a game where he started... I think it was an injury to Reggie, whatever. He was the starter. And I'll never forget he, he's running all over the bears, dude. In his first start
0: ever. And it was the last game of the season. He had a hundred over a hundred and hundred. Over a hundred rushing, over a hundred receiving. I mean and in his hometown. I remember, go ahead. I'm sorry, in his hometown. I mean, he, he remembers it yeah. well. Yeah.
1: Dude. I mean, Erlocker, I, I just I remember the playing like it was yesterday. I'm on the sideline. And if you're watching it on TV, it's the far sideline. And it's a run to the left side. And he's trying to cut the corner. And Erlocker absolutely levels him. I mean, levels him. About four yards to my right. Like 2 o'clock if I'm looking at the dial. And there comes Sprawling. And they, they both finish with their momentum about my feet. And Pierre is blinking. I mean, he, he, he got popped. And he's blinking. And all I hear is Urlacher going, Woo! Woo! And he hops up, picks up Pierre Thomas, pats him on the back, headbutts him, and goes, that's how you do it. From that moment on, Scott, every time he got tackled, it wasn't a Saints player that picked him up. It was a member of the Bears defense. And it, like, still gives me goosebumps. because. If you've ever played sports, the ultimate sign of respect is something like that. That the opposing team realizes their leader respects you that much that when that guy got tackled, a bear picked him up. I mean, like, it still gives me goosebumps, dude. My guy. That guy played so hard. I mean, he scored this touchdown, the first touchdown in the Super Bowl. Man, like My guy. he was the yeah. screen guy. He was the
0: screen king, best screen player, you know, in, like, be, be, best screen, <laughs> best screen running back in NFL history.
1: And that's why I say underrated because that guy did not get the props he deserved no. around the
0: NFL circles. And I was here, talking to a young city, cat.
1: Yeah, Eric Thomas was loved, dude. Look, you remember? You remember Reggie? And and, and you remember? Um, when they drafted Mark Ingram. You remember Mark Ingram in the in Atlanta Falcon game? He's slamming his helmet because Pierre Thomas was getting more carries and touches. I remember him upsetting people in his room that upset because he was getting the touches and carry because he earned it. And I will tell you, as, as long as I live, from my years of covering, that guy embodied everything Sean Payton wanted to bring to that football team. And I've said it before. There's a cover of his memoir in his book of what it was like to be the head coach of the Saints. Colston's on there. Breeze is on there. You know, Vilma's on there. Pierre Thomas has a photo on that cover because he was exactly, you know, Fujita. But Pierre Thomas is absolutely absolutely on that cover he's like, he's, I even he's the man
0: it. no he's he's the man and you know he's working on a book I hope he he's able to follow through if he does I can't yeah. wait to read it one day and you know he's he's honest about life after football but yeah God, man he was he was everything he was everything Gus dude I gotta let you run man appreciate you joining me on this Friday yeah it might be July folks but you know Gus and I we can always Chop it up. Sure. I'll be out next sure. week, but uh, we'll catch up after that, my friend. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Enjoy the time with the fam. And um, shoot, we won't be. By the time, the next time you and I chat, mm-hmm. I think it's the day the rookies report.
1: I was going to say, Scott, you realize two plus two is what? Four? Four Fridays, bro. Four Fridays. We'll be talking about training camp practice number three.
0: There you go. We'll, so we'll be, we'll be a few <laughs> days away. I think the next time we talk, we'll be like a few days away from the rookies reporting. And then after uh, that, few days away from crazy. the rest of the wait. team. I know. I'm just saying, four Fridays. Now. There you go. That's Football it. is in the air, man. I appreciate it, brother. Let's talk soon. All right. Always a pleasure. All right. Don't go anywhere. Jamarcus Fitzpatrick from KTC TV3 joins me next on a Give Me All You Got Friday. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It's The Great Scott Show. You